For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. But we do have a legend out of Australia, a Wallabies legend and Tim Horan. G'day Tim, how are you? Very well, mate. Nice to be on the show again. Yeah, thanks for coming on, mate. Thanks for giving us some time and, and plenty to talk about as well, mate. Uh, you've a bit of a shake-up at Dave Rennie's backroom staff. Of course, with Matt Taylor, the defence coach, uh, leaving. It worked for the All Blacks, shaking up the backroom staff. You reckon it'll work for your blokes in Adelaide next weekend? Yeah, interesting one. Uh, Matt Taylor, of course, um, was at the Queensland Reds many years ago when Ewan McKenzie was um, at the head coach and... Uh, then he went away overseas, uh, had spent a little bit of time in Scotland and came back. Um, this was one of the, the dream jobs he was after. So um, there is a bit of um, issues internally with his family. So there's some family um, issues that he has to attend to, his um, you know personal stuff. So that, I think that contributed to it. I don't think it was... I don't think he was pushed out of the coaching structure. I think it was more of a sort of family reasons and um, but also a bit of talk about you know whether he might go and help Brad Thorne out at the Queensland Reds potentially down the track and look for that head coaching role so time will tell but uh, yeah Laurie Fisher has just been announced to come in as interim uh, assistant coach for the Wallabies and yeah, hope that helps us out in the next four or five weeks. Yeah, indeed. I mean, because Laurie Fisher's been a man that's been linked with Dave Rennie's job, of course. Um, Matt, Matt Taylor, that you know, you, you've mentioned uh, how he went out. I, I mean, I think you're right. I think everything you've said sounds right, and everything that Dave Rennie says echoes that as well. That it, it wasn't indicative of anything else. But I mean, um, when you take that the last game in charge, or as a defence coach, was a forty-eight seventeen loss. You can see why people did question that. Yeah, I think so. I think you know the game's uh, pretty tough at the moment, isn't it? As you've seen for the All Blacks coaching structure, and and I think that's good that um, you know when you when you look at Mark Robinson coming out or, or the board saying that you know that Ian Foster's going to be there to the World Cup, I think that's good. You, you need to have some security, not just for the players but for the coaches. So uh, yeah, it's a tough job at the moment for a lot of coaches around professional sport, and we've seen it in AFL, NRL, and Australia, and. And obviously the All Blacks. So, um, yeah, professional sport's tough, but I think going into the World Cup, you need a little bit of continuity. I think, um, you know, both coaching structures have got that now. And, of course, you guys next weekend will take on Argentina in Christchurch. So we're looking forward to seeing how that one tracks. Yeah, I mean, that Argentinian side, I thought that first test that you guys had over there uh, was a great test match and back and forward, back and forward. But then they led by nine twice. And, and particularly when Quaid went down, I thought I thought you might struggle to get back into it. But I, I thought it showed a lot, a lot of ticker to get back into that game and, and then get it over the line. And you, you kind of did what the All Blacks have, you know, have, have famously done, and that's run them down in the last 20 minutes. Yeah, I think what Dave Rennie's done the last couple of years, he's got great depth in the team now. Um, and you look at... He had Reese Hodge, um, you know, was came into fly half, and you thought, gee, how, how that's going to work? And I thought Reese Hodge did a really good job just to secure, uh, you know, a bit of field position and, and security for the team. And um, you know, I think they've got to try and get to a stage, the Wallabies. And I know there's been a lot of injuries. I think there's 14 or 15, you know, first sort of players really that you'd pick in the team are out injured. So that that's forced, I suppose, Dave in his hand, but. Yeah, interesting to see Bernard Foley back in the squad. Uh, of course, he plays his rugby in Japan now. and But I think there's got to come a stage where you pick and stick and you've got to try and find who's the right fly half for the World Cup. I think it's Noel Olesio after what I saw against, um, you know, three test matches against England. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, he had a... 
he had a bit of a um, baptism of fire last season with those three tests against the ABs. You know, I, I thought he, he went really well at, at Eden Park, but just left his kicking boots at home. You could have won that one if he had had them. But after that, seemed to take a bit of a knock. But uh, he had a great season for the Brumbies, and he seems to have kicked on again. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I really like what I've seen for the Brumbies this year from him. He's a bit more experienced, and he's got more size about him, and he's not shy to take the ball to the line. So there must be something in that, Wallaby coaching structure that they want to see improvement from from Noah. I'm pretty sure he went back and played club footy back in Canberra, as a lot of Wallabies did, played club football over the weekend. Um, they want players to get some game time. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they what they choose in the next couple of weeks against the Springboks, because yeah, as you guys have seen, they're a, they're a pretty outstanding outfit, the Springboks. Much better at home in South Africa than they are when they travel. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, obviously Brisbane's always been a strong place for you guys to to host games. Adelaide is not a rugby city. I don't think I'm. Uh, I don't think that you could argue that. How do you think hosting there is going to go? Yeah, I think what it's uh, it's come down to is just trying to spread the game around Australia and. Of course, the different state governments in Australia pitch for for different sporting events, and and Adelaide, you know, want to put their hand up um, early, probably because you know you look at 2027 for the Rugby World Cup, they'd like to host probably a quarter final, or you know, definitely pool games down in Adelaide and show what they can do for rugby. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, be close to a full house, I'm pretty sure. It's a new Adelaide Oval, so. Um, Atmosphere-wise, you're probably a little bit further away than what you normally would like to, a bit like sort of Eden Park with that sort of cricket pitch in the middle. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, Adelaide's a good option. Perth, of course, the first test match against England as well. So some good options around Australia. But, yeah, uh, it was strange we only had one test match in Brisbane. That was against England, and we've got a pretty good record in Brisbane against most test teams. Yeah, you do. You do. You go pretty well there, mate. Uh, just talk a bit about your depth at 10 now. I mean, uh, the big news this week was that James O'Connor got axed after that test, the second test um, from from the squad. Were you surprised? Because, uh, I mean, that feels like, you know, you're maybe not pinning the blame to him, but when no one else is getting axed, it certainly makes it look like he didn't do what was required. Yeah, and I think that's what Dave Rennie said. He said he wanted James O'Connor's experience. He wanted him to lead the team around, and he just didn't get from James what he was looking for. Um, I mean, I know it's different footy, but James O'Connor played club football yesterday in Brisbane and w- was brilliant for his club side brothers, but I know that's a different area. But, yeah, maybe that's his last chance, unless there's some injuries at 10. And, you know, Quaid, Quaid's going to be at least 10 months, um, and then you'll that that's pitching you two or three months out from a Rugby World Cup. So... Um, you know, if Quay can do it, anyone can. But um, he, I reckon, he's going to struggle for the World Cup to be able to be at his peak um, post, a, you know, a ruptured Achilles. Um, then you look at who's next, and we haven't got a lot left. So, you know, maybe Bernard Foley's there for a few Test matches to make sure that you know Noel Olasiu can come through. And uh, we've been short of tens for the last four or five years in Australia. We haven't brought anyone through. Yeah, it's interesting because I thought there was a couple that really showed promise in Super Rugby this season. Tane Edmed, for me, um, I, I think he's probably a better prospect than Donaldson, who I know the Waratahs are invested in. Uh, what's your take on those two? Yeah, I thought Tane Edmed was very good this year, and he's a he's a tough player. But I, I even like uh, you know Will Harris and Tane Edmed, Ben Donaldson, I, they're nowhere near ready for Test football, so they need to play a lot more matches and and get themselves ready for Test footy. I think they're a long way off that. Um, there's some other options around, but they're a bit young at the moment. Um, a young fellow called Jack Bowen, who's only 19, um, you know, he's going to be impressive in the next couple of years if he gets out of club footy and can get... He's in the Waratahs Academy. Um, 
So there's, there's some other players around, but we, I just don't think we've invested in key positions the last two or three years for the Wallabies. We've had Bernard Foley there for so long and haven't pulled other players with him through. What about, there's a, there's a kid called Liner kicking around, and I know before the England series there was some talk of, uh, you know, if the Wallabies won the series, they might get Liner as part of the trophy. What, uh, what What's the word there? Uh, well, well, Michael Liner, he's got two boys. Uh, well, he's got three sons and two play rugby. One's Tom Liner, who is in the Queensland Reds sort of wider squad, came back from England. He's only a young young player, just playing club football at the moment. Uh, and then, of course, Michael Liner's other son, was about to play for England before he got injured late in the season in England. So he would have been on Eddie Jones's touring squad and probably would have played a test match for England. So um, it'd be interesting to see what happens there. But, um, yeah, I think Tom Liner's a little while off and so are some other tens. Um, yeah, but you've got to bring them through. Yeah, you do, mate. You do. Hey, uh, before we let you go, Tim, uh, I know you probably don't really want to talk about it, but um, the Wallaroos last night against the uh, the Black Ferns, I thought in that Pack 4 series... It looked like the Wallaroos had bridged the gap a little bit. I know they still lost the game, but it was it was a pretty tight affair. But uh, last night, the Black Ferns were just far too good. Yeah, Black Ferns, really strong outfit. And, you know, I think the World Cup's going to be, you know, a bit difficult for the Wallaroos and, and they need to get their act together. That was a very poor performance from the girls. And, you know, they, you know, I just think they, they through COVID, you know, not playing for such a long period of time, I think we've really missed the mark. And maybe we've got to invest more, time and money and, and, and also some energy into the, the Wallaroos to, to a bit like what the, the Aussie Sevens girls have done over the last five or six years is go and recruit some players from other sport and get them involved to to lift the ability of the girls because, you know, losing by 50 points is not great. No, it's not. I mean, and the other thing that you guys have got to deal with is, I mean, the NRLW is expanding. AFLW yep. is, is is big, you know. I mean, they're having to move venues because they, they're, they're selling venues out now. They're having to go to bigger venues. So, You've got more competition on that front. But in terms of how the funding works and where the priority is, given that it's an Olympic sport, is women's rugby in Australia, is sevens the focus rather than 15s? Well, sevens has been, but we probably need, you know, not just financial support from Rugby Australia, you need get more government support for, you know, the Wallaroos to attract, um, you know, players from the NRLW or AFLW to come across and play rugby and especially and I think that that'll have to happen if we're going to be competitive at the next Rugby World Cup of course here in 2029 in Australia for the women's game um, we've got to be able to go and recruit and we haven't done that well and we've probably got in the Wallaroos you'd probably say half the girls should be there the other half aren't up to, up to the scratch and you've seen that with the scoreline. Yeah indeed we've got a uh, a second test in Adelaide. Is there anybody that can come in? Uh, what changes do you think you, you might see, or is uh, are they pretty much hands tied? What they've got's what they've got. No, I think what they've got at the moment that, that's okay. The girls are certainly trying, and, and uh, you know they, they train really hard. But of course, they all a lot of them aren't full time. They're all all studying or working somewhere else. So until we get to a stage where the girls are potentially most of them all, you know, especially probably twenty to twenty five of them are full time committed. And you've got the right players. I think we're going to see score lines like this, but hopefully it'll turn around. Um, you know the match in Adelaide on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, fingers crossed, mate. Fingers crossed uh, they make it more of a contest. Tim, thanks very much for your time today, mate. Go enjoy the rest of your Sunday, eh? Well, thanks, Ricardo. Good to chat. Good to chat, mate. Tim Horan there with us here on SENZ. This is the rugby run. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.